0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Three. We're reacting to week 11 of NFL action on Roto Viz Radio. What's up,
2: Roto Viz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin. alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at RotoViz. I actually had to pause there for a second and make sure that it actually was already a review of week 11. Cannot believe that Thanksgiving week is here. Um, apologies to all listeners. We were not able to record an episode to come out on Friday of last week. I know we did get a couple of questions. We're going to roll those through. Uh, to another episode this week. Curtis, I cannot believe we are at the point where we're already in the Thanksgiving week and this fantasy season just marches along.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. We've got, uh, as we're recording tonight, um, we've got a stellar stellar matchup between the New York Giants and uh, Tampa (laughs) Bay Buccaneers. There's some intrigue with Saquon Barkley um, being active. So um we'll have plenty to react to on, on that front later this week. And I know we've got a lot of team Rotoviz squads uh, amongst the ownership team that that feature Saquon and have been competitive without him. So we're we're pumped to get him back. Dave, I do want to share with the listeners because I, I talk about this on my Twitter feed um occasionally and i mentioned it in an article or two in the past. Um this past weekend was the Ohio State Raw Federation powerlifting. Championship. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. And, and, uh, last spring, uh, my pops and I in the tri-state championship, I uh, remember as a father, son, uh, each won titles there in the Ohio, uh, Michigan and PA championship. And I am pleased, very pleased to share that no one, uh, gained more strength more quickly than us. And so we were able to, as you would expect after winning the tri-state, we were able to win, uh, just the Ohio state, uh, championship. This past weekend, my pops um with new state records in the age sixty plus bench press nice. and strict curl. New state records. Uh, really proud of him. And Dave, yours truly, top ten in the world for the 198 weight uh weight class uh in the strict curl. So very, very exciting, man. Uh great, great weekend. And we met our goals, baby. We met our goals.
1: Wow. That is uh an incredible achievement congratulations on that um you know this is just the type of stuff that happens over here at roto right world records you name it
2: well um yeah hey man let's just get right into uh the happenings of of week 11 um I, i need the drop i need the drop yes yes I cannot name my dad or myself here. So, um, man, uh, outstanding performance of the week. It's gotta be Jonathan Taylor. It's gotta be Jonathan Taylor. One of the only 50 plus point, uh, PPR performances by running back of all time. This was the type of game that everyone's been salivating over just dreaming about for Jonathan Taylor over 30 carries, Uh, Also caught a trio um, of receptions and five touchdowns. So, um, you know, the former Wisconsin Badger finally now dominating the NFL, just like he did in college football. And Dave, I want to give an honorable mention. I don't normally do this, but would you care to guess pending Monday night football results who the overall QB one is in (laughs) fantasy football? I mean, is it Jalen Hurts? Yes, it's Jalen Hurts, man. Three rushing touchdowns uh, this weekend. All of a sudden has the Philadelphia Eagles looking like a hot team. And every week I see more and more beats and more and more national writers start to get on the maybe Jalen Hurts is the long-term answer train. Um, So congrats to that young man and uh, his three rushing touchdowns and his fantasy managers are pumped, no doubt. What do you have for a snoozer?
1: (sighs) Oh boy, this poor fella had quite the rough. It's not every week we talk about a player that played on a Thursday. And I'm not bringing this up just because his team played against the Patriots. But good God, (laughs) Matt Ryan, 153 passing yards, no (laughs) touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh. And his team was held scoreless, uh, 2.1 fantasy points (laughs) in most leagues. Not an inspiring performance, and that is good enough to get him this snoozer of the week. Because if you played Matt Ryan, you're getting those two points from your quarterback position. You are not thrilled.
2: Yeah, man. It's Matty Ice Cold for sure.
1: All right. Let's hit some game notes. I want to start in Green Bay. Mm. We always find it interesting to look at this team and question if there is going to be a real number two that emerges at the wide receiver position. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, six targets this week. Devontae Adams led the team with eight. Surprisingly, AJ Dillon also had six targets. Everybody else was at two or less. If you have not been following the team, you might be inclined to think that perhaps MVS has seen an uptick in targets. It has started to uh, fill a role of a wide receiver too. I am here to remind everyone that with this team, there might just not be, or there just might not be a wide receiver too in the dwindling era of Aaron Rodgers. The interesting thing is if you plot this team out by week, even including the Jordan Love week, you just don't see a real number two option emerge week eight. This was a game that did not have Adams. Jawan Winfrey leads the team with six targets, followed by Randall Cobb at five, Tunyon at four. Jordan loves week, week nine, 14 targets for Adams, five for Cobb, everybody else at two or less. Week 10, Rodgers is back. Adams, 11 targets, Cobb four, everybody else at two. Week 11, Adams at eight targets, MVS at 10, and um everybody else at two so sorry i might have said mvs with six targets at the top of this so he actually led the team with 11 you had adams at eight then aj yeah. dylan at six just crazy to me that this team we never see a true wide receiver to uh you know really cement a role there
2: yeah i um this is a great way um to kind of screen now marquez valdez scantling um is coming back from injury and so you know, th- those who maybe watched him heat up toward the end of last season uh, might argue that it's just taking him a, a bit to get his legs under him. And then he will emerge. But over the last three weeks uh, since he returned, I mean, he's trailing Devonte Adams 33 to 14 in terms of targets. So, um, you know, the larger sample size really does um, speak volumes about what's actually happening in the offense. Um, he has been known to blow. I mean, when he has a big week, I mean he can he can challenge for wide receiver you know one low end wide receiver one status in ppr leagues for sure um so you can do worse than you know rotating him through your flex especially in games you know figure uh not to be packers um blowouts um you know i mean rogers just went insane in this game 383 passing yards four touchdowns uh really really interesting game um i you know, MVS, the play there all along was late best ball shares and difficult to trust and redraft. Uh, you know, definitely a rotational flex in those deeper dynasty leagues for sure. Um, I was lucky enough to fortunate enough or maybe unfortunate enough to have to start him, uh, in a couple of leagues this past week and, you know, paid off handsomely. So, but, but I do appreciate you pointing uh pointing us in the direction of, you know, wide receiver two of the Packers is more an area where you're likely to get burned. Um so we're gonna need to see another week at least. I would need to see another like a second consecutive week of six plus MVS targets to start feeling good about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, again, it's just notable to see A.J. Dillon in a game where he gets to Mm. run as the RB1 with that uh, target share. Pretty impressive for him. What do you have for us over in the AFC, Curtis?
2: Well, let's check in on the Chiefs here for a minute. Um, You know, we had a lot going on in in Kansas City this week with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire returning. And, you know, for me, that was a, a big watch spot because you know, what would happen? The team has seen, you know, some success uh, using other players in his absence, but he came back and he had 65% of the running back opportunity uh, over 16 PPR. You know, it was really just um, all the touches were funneled to either him uh, or Daryl Williams out of the backfield. So the, the Chiefs offense still sputtering a bit, just 19 points, you know, the Cowboys offense has been or defense rather has been forcing a lot of turnovers this season, um, but I, I would have expected more than 19 points from them. And of course, the Cowboys lay an egg coming back the other direction as well. But if you're a Clyde Edwards, you manager, you know, you're extremely encouraged by this. Um, it's actually one of his better games of the season after the long layoff and other players looking good. So if nothing else, Patrick's Patrick Mahomes struggles in the, the passing offense, um, you know, being inconsistent, you know, perhaps the success of the other runners um, has been more scheme based, or perhaps that's what Eric Benemy and Andy Reed think. Um, and so plugging Edward Delair right back into that and seeing you know similar success, uh, certainly an encouraging sign as we head towards the fantasy playoffs.
1: Yeah, I was glad that you mentioned him because he was a player. I did talk about a fair amount heading into the season. Uh, like you said, As a manager with him on your roster, you do have to feel encouraged that he already gets thrust back into that role. And, you know, albeit not the most exciting performance of all time, but for a first game back, hard to complain with that. It's interesting, too, as we think about the Chiefs and the Cowboys, just from more of a like a zoomed out non-fantasy perspective perspective. Just doesn't feel to me like we have a lot of juggernaut teams this year that you can definitively say this team is going far in the playoffs. Feels a lot more wide open to me than seasons I remember in a long time, Curtis.
2: Yeah, I um, actually I don't really do this too often because I can usually just keep track of it in my head. Um, you know, thirty two teams isn't really that much to sort out, especially the the beautiful eight you know eight division four teams <laughs> per format. But I found myself not really having a good Handle in my head on what the playoff pictures looked like in each conference. And I mean, this early in the season to already have the the team with the best record already have two losses. And that being an Arizona team um, that's missed, you know, multiple games from Kyler Murray, it just is really an odd season, uh, for sure. And Man, you start to look at the the race for the sixth seed in either conference, good luck. Um, it's a it's good thing we have more games left to go because uh, otherwise there would be some heartbreaking uh, tiebreakers just based off of, you know, uh, out to the thousands, thousands of uh, percentage point in tiebreakers.
1: Yeah. So looking forward to seeing how this finishes, let's move back to the NFC where I want to take a minute to talk about Mark Ingram, um, a name that I wasn't Mm. expecting to be talking about at this point in the season, especially uh, as a player filling in for Alvin Kamara. He has actually been uh, pretty decent in his four game stretch uh, in New Orleans has 45 attempts in that stretch, 205 yards. That's 4.6 yards per carry, which I'm sure the coaches are happy with. One rushing touchdown, 22 targets, 17 receptions, and a target share of 14.9. Keep in mind, in two of those games, Alvin was playing. In the games without, he's seen 15 rushes per, put up 135 yards in those two games. Again, that's four and a half yards per carry, one touchdown, 15 targets, 10 receptions, in a target share, Curtis, of 21%. So this is absolutely wild how um, impressive it's been that you're able to slide Mark Ingram back there into a role in this Saints offense that is lacking Drew Brees this year, at this point lacking Jameis Winston, does not have Michael Thomas. Uh, pretty impressive stuff there. But what I also want to highlight here is for as good things have been for Ingram, Uh, You see an interesting thing shaking out in the wide receiver core, and that is Adam Troutman has been the most targeted player on the team through the last four games. Unfortunately, he exited in the fourth quarter with an injury. I actually do not know. Or let me say it like this. Since I pulled together this outline. I did not see any news that addressed if there was any serious concerns about Troutman. So I'm actually going to look this up online while we're recording here. He is out now four to six weeks with a sprained MCL. So you're left with Traequan Smith, who's been at 22 targets, Marquez Callaway 19, and Deontay Harris, 24 through the last four weeks. It's a bummer because it looked like Troutman, a player that a lot of people have been having hope for, thinking that at some point he could kind of break through, is now out. Let's approach this conversation like this. Troutman had been leading in targets. They have to go somewhere now. Are any of these wide receivers more interesting than they would have been before? My gut instinct here is that it's hard to really shoot any of them up boards. Um, which is unfortunate and it probably this is just another thing that kind of dampens this offense
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
2: Yeah, I mean, who are my choices again? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's that's kind of my yeah, that is uh that's you just stinks that Michael Thomas um but we don't have any updates there, you know. I mean, it's all set up. The team's desperate. You know, they're they're in a slide. Um that's what they really need. What they really need is their superstar back and it's not happening. Um I, I would just totally be in wait and see mode. There's no one that I have a conviction to go after, you know, with, uh, with a material remaining portion of my fab and a redraft. And there's not any, anybody I'm really even all that excited about from like a dynasty perspective. Yeah. Um, here either. It's really just, I think, you know, I appreciate you highlighting Ingram here because I think that's, that's really the thing is I, he, how could you not just be firing him up every week at this point? Um, you have to feel great about it. Um, and I was, I was kind of perusing, the all time uh, I was going to make some sort of like comparison between Mark Ingram being like the new Frank Gore um, that he just is just going to be around forever. Like he's, yep. he's just going to pick up that mantle. It's crazy, man. By the end of the season, Ingram has like an out, eh, that's probably two. He's definitely going to move into the top 50 all time rushing uh, by the end of the season. And he's probably going to be right in the picture around 45 overall, Um, he's coming up on, you know, Maurice Jones-Drew, D'Angelo Williams, Priest Holmes, Roger Craig, Herschel Walker. These are some of the all-time names that he's coming up on, and he's just always kind of been around. Um, But he's, you know, he's always been good enough to carve out, you know, a couple hundred carries, 150 plus carries, even as his career wore on. So, um, good for him having success in his um, second go-around in New Orleans, and that's about the only thing that team has going for it right now.
1: I think that's probably the perfect way to end our segment
2: on new Orleans there. What else do we have going on over in the AFC? Well, let's, uh, I want to hit your Patriots. I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. Look at their backfield. And, you know, we had Damian Harris coming back here and he, he actually lagged to Ramondre Stevenson. And I haven't watched that entire game. So I'm not aware of like the carry split um, across halves. I'm assuming that you probably watched the game and you can give me a little Intel. And if not, We'll figure it out uh, by the next show that we record. But I noticed that Ramondre had 12 rushing attempts um, to Damian Harris's 10. Um, they they had similar efficiency on a, a yards per carry perspective. They each um, garnered one target. And so um, is your assessment that this is a true timeshare? And if so, which player, like you can place one chip, like which one of these two players scores more PPR points the rest of the season, Dave?
1: I would say that I think as of right now, it does look like a true timeshare. Um, the way that this game kind of flowed, you saw it felt to me like Harris was kind of getting the first chance to try and run away with things that didn't necessarily manifest um, Mm -hmm. as a result of that until one of these players does something that the coaching staff doesn't like. We're going to be looking at both of them playing each week. Of course, you could get that unprecedented move where all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, one of them is inactive and they you know give Brandon Bolden Or, you know, (laughs) Lord knows who else, some type of crack at this. But uh, right now, I actually am expecting that there's going to be fairly similar usage. But the reason I actually would give Stevenson a slight edge is I think that um, we could see him being used a little bit more in the passing game. Give him one or two more opportunities each week to break a big play. uh, And as a result, able to pull that average up a little bit over Harris. So I would actually rather have him down the stretch for that whole package uh if they were only rushing at this point i'd still prefer harris
2: okay yeah that's good intel and i want to hit the wide receiver core as well because we've got kind of a flat distribution that seems to you know oscillate game to game to game between kendrick Bourne, jacoby myers and nelson Aguilar. Um, and you know, I think Aguilar is probably out there just from a dynasty perspective. He's probably out there hanging out on a lot of rosters because he's had those, um, spike weeks and spike partial seasons in the past, Jacoby Myers, um, just entering his second year and, you know, what's kind of a, a, deep rookie flyer favorite of many last season. And he actually had some good, um, college, uh, peripherals. And so he's on the radar, but Kendrick Bourne, um, the journeyman coming over, um, actually, uh, by far, uh, the most productive receiver over the last uh, several weeks, leading the team with 174 receiving yards and 11 receptions over that span. Um, also getting a little bit involved in the in the rushing game with four attempts for 50 yards. And, you know, I, I like Kendrick Bourne as a, a dynasty stash. I, I think in shallower leagues, he could still be out there. I've streamed him um, across a couple of my rosters recently, and he's involved enough that, you know, you're not going to take a zero um, and in a lot of leagues, that's just what you're looking for. We're still not through all of the buys yet. And, uh, you know, he's had um, several weeks now, you know, with a target share in the teens, we, you know, week nine, 17%, um, week 10, 16%, week 11, um, let's see, week 11, he was at 15%. And so, you know, he's seeing four, five, six targets per game. Uh, and seem, seems to be really getting some chemistry going with Mac Jones. So I just wanted to highlight Kendrick Bourne as well as more of a sleeper on the team.
1: Yeah, and the thing that I'd like to add here about New England is this is a team that feels like it's improving continually oh, yeah. as the season moves along, starting to feel like there's a bit more confidence when the team is throwing the way that they're going to deploy the wide receivers, different uh, formations that they might line up in. So I I would advocate for... Especially in dynasty, if any of these wide receiver pieces are available at a low cost, being on the waiver wire, there's some way you can finagle them in a trade. I think it's worth it because if this team continues to improve, we could reach a point where these are the type of players that though you might not be starting them every week are going to be dependable enough that when you're, you know, battling that attrition of the season, they make sense to move in. And from a redraft perspective, I also think that you could be looking at a couple of acceptable fill-in performances from all of these wide receivers across the rest of the season. Let's head back to the NFC. I want to talk about a player that got a lot of hype in the beginning of the year, was an interesting conversation piece, suffered an injury, but has returned. And that, of course, is George Kittle. For the San Francisco yeah. 49ers has been back now for three games, recording three touchdowns, Mm-mm. a target share of 24.4, 19 targets. I forget if I said 185 receiving yards uh for San Francisco. Actually has the highest air yard share on the team at 29.6 in his last three games. And now we see an elite tight end returning. Exciting to see him getting back into the mix so quickly. But also interesting, Curtis, is how concentrated San Francisco's target share has been in those three games with Kittle back. Debo Samuel, a target share of 20 and a half. Of course, he's also getting work in the rushing game. George Kittle, target share 24.4, tied with Brendan Ayuk at 24.4. From a Whopper perspective, Uh, Kittle just edging out Ayuk, who's had a little bit of a resurgence uh, as well down the stretch. So I think that I'd be feeling good if I am invested in either of these three pieces in the passing game right now. does not look like a situation where there's going to be much value elsewhere, but definitely exciting to see Kittle get back into the mix and give us another tight end that uh, can put up elite
2: production. Heck yeah, man. And George Kittle, uh, he's one of the players that I don't, I don't know if he's like must see TV, but like he, he just is, he's kind of got that Derek Henry factor where you just know he could do something dominant on any play, even if it's just like a pancake block. So really, really like to see him um, out there healthy. And um, I know many roto also uh, pretty pumped about Brandon Iyuk's, uh recent uh, resurgence as well. So um, yeah, love, love highlighting the Niners there and good for Jimmy G too. Jimmy G is probably playing his way into a starting role elsewhere in 2022 at this point with how putrid some of the lower third uh, quarterback situations look uh, yep. across the NFL. So um, great team to highlight there. I want to hop back to the NFC East and highlight one of the rookies who got off to a little bit of a slow start, but it's really uh, been pretty special of late and seem to have a great connection with one, a uh, certain elite qb elijah moore in week 11 baby 11 targets 8 reception 141 yards and a receiving touchdown also added 15 yards on the ground on a single rush man um you know lots of comparisons to like an antonio brown entering the season in terms of style of play and you know you got to be really excited about um, Elijah Moore and his, his future in this offense. I think the team needs to continue to seek out what they have and, and Zach Wilson. And, you know, I would anticipate him being back in the lineup as early as week 12. Um So you'd like to see that chemistry develop. But the fact that even just with like, I mean, Joe Flacco is not even like fungible, like he's below replacement level <laughs> quarterback play at this point. And to see more pop with somebody like that, if, if Wilson or anybody else can you know, develop into you know even just an average NFL quarterback. I think the sky's the limit for for more. He commanded thirty one point four percent target share in Week Eleven, and with the state of the the New York Jets um, wide receiver core, I would not you know I, I don't think there's any reason that should change. Crowder checks in with a twenty percent share, um, as did Corey Davis. So you know, talking about a concentrated passing attack, and really the three of those guys um, getting most of the attention from you know, um, I guess we can call, he's a Broadway Joe part two, um, <laughs> there with, with Flacco. Uh, but yeah, yeah. More, more is the piece here. And if, if you were, uh, one of those who took our advice and, and, you know, rolled the dice on him in the later stages of your first round of your rookie draft earlier last spring, um, it started to pay off. Yeah. Well, it's certainly fun
1: to see more come on. Um, As one of these players that looked like they might be able to contribute to their offense right away in their rookie season, when we looked at some of those advanced wide receiver metrics earlier on in the year, uh, if I remember correctly, we saw him do well in one or two, but was really struggling in some. We're going to have to come back now and reevaluate some of that as we're starting to see him putting together a more compelling uh, back half Mm -hmm. of the season. Hopefully the Jets continue to look his way. And it's possible we might see him move up when we rank this class again, uh, heading into their sophomore year.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, just to kind of sum it up, I mean, over his last three contests, Dave, uh, all four of his touchdowns on the year. So he scored in three straight contests, uh, scored two against the Colts uh, with a 784-2 line back on November 4th. The the Bills, obviously a a very difficult matchup um, through the air for most opposing squads. Um still managed 344-1 against Buffalo. And then of course the eruption at 8 141 1 against Miami. So it really seems to be um taking that leap here in the second half of the season.
1: Yep. And uh at some point we're gonna have to talk about this Buffalo Bills team because this team is so confusing, man. It really is. Like there's a <laughs> lot of confusing teams this year. Yeah. Buffalo might
2: be the most confusing. Uh, Tennessee's pretty damn confusing too. Yeah, like, that's true. The, the, Tennessee <laughs> plays to the level of their competition like nobody else. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, at least they have the excuse of not having pretty much all of their best players. The bills have all their best players and just, you know, they've been, um, madding, maddeningly inconsistent.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, even with a three-headed monster at running back of uh, Matt Breida, Devin Singletary, and Zach Moss, <laughs> they can't put together like a combined day of fantasy production from the back. So it's it's pretty strange.
2: Uh, totally agree. We will save the Bills uh, catastrophe for another show this week, Dave. And then, um, yeah, uh, to those of you who were gracious enough to to write in with some questions about. Uh, contender or pretender should you go for it what types of moves you should make we will hit those questions along with any new ones uh, that we see on the timeline uh, later in the week
1: thank you for listening to the roto viz fantasy football show send us questions at rvff show at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.